0: Market waves after hours with Uber Freight. We announced the launch of our Freight Futures Exchange next March. Michael Lewis talks with Craig Fuller at our conference. We announced the Best in Show winners from Demo Day and the Freight Tech 25 winners. I'm JP. <laughs>
1: I'm Chad.
0: And we talk about all these issues and more on this special episode of What the Truck, coming to you live from Grapevine, Texas, At the Gaylord Texan Resort and Condition Center.
1: It's great being here, and we are joined also tonight by Executive Editor John Kingston. John, welcome.
2: Thank you very much. I'm glad to finally make it on the (laughs) podcast. Nice. Yeah, it's great great to 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 have you you here.
1: We got the fountain going for some ambient noise. We're sitting here at Texas Station, a giant sports bar because you know why it's giant? Everything is bigger, bigger in Texas. Texas. <laughs> you guys have learned it.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, dude, how about that party
1: last night? Wow. The, what, 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 what did we call it? The after hours.
0: Yeah, market waves after hours with Uber Freight. Oh, so Uber cool.
1: Freight helped us put on a show.
0: It was fine. The the got kinda, was I got I got twisted. But I mean Twisted.
1: is that what you millennials say?
0: <laughs> but uh, the band, Emerald City Band, was awesome. It the was the world's so cool. best
1: cover band.
0: After being in this industry for like a year now, like at our events, like everywhere I go I see people I know. It was so fun to hang out with them and talk. I see Bill Dragger playing drums on stage Uh, that was
1: a highlight uh john bose playing the bongos to uh acdc you (laughs) shook me all night long we 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 got
0: in the the photo booth with chris kirchner uh it was it was it was a great time
1: it was a really fun night it's so fun to be here um it's just it was a great show um yeah the uh that texas chili was good and uh the old fashions the uber freight old fashions with a little mezcal put in there giving it like kind of a smoky aftertaste like it it, just, it was <laughs> <laughs> that was special you yeah, was special it was nice. and right now what are you drinking JP
0: I am drinking uh what this hazy IPA
1: yeah we're, t- we're drinking a see C- I, I, you, you've joined the dark side congratulations uh we're we're having a Sierra Nevada um uh hazy I don't know. It's something. It's, 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 it's hazy, and it's like a Nepa.
0: Too hard it wasn't on the menu, and it's a six
1: point seven ABV. And 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 John, what, what are you drinking?
0: Shiner
2: Bock Dark.
1: Shiner Bock. So that it's <laughs> from Texas. So right. like, when in Texas, do do as the Texans do. All right. Okay. So let's get, let's, in. let's get into this, buddy.
0: Yeah. So John, you um, moderated a panel with Doug Wagner from Echo, uh, Paul Casenza from Nodal Exchange, CEO, CEO of Nodal Exchange, and Craig, all about um, surviving freight market volatility. Can you tell us a little bit about that conversation um, and just your kind of perspective and, on... Well, well the, fo-
2: the focus tended to be turned pretty quickly from volatility to the uh, Freightway Freight Futures contract. And the news today is that we announced that it will launch on the Nodal Exchange on March 29th. That was a so big news, So that's, yeah. uh, that's really exciting. Um, the, the one thing I would say about it is that there has never been a better time to launch a contract. Uh, everybody, I think, is kind of battered, uh, certainly on the on the shipper side, battered by uh, volatile freight rates. I think 3PL, some of them have probably taken advantage of it and others have probably gotten hit by it. Uh, but that, that's not really the point. Even if you're a carrier and you've made a lot of money uh, on this, you've got to realize now that You've had a, an introduction of volatility into the market that you probably had never seen. I hate to say never, but you know, not for a while. And Right. And and, and, and uh, rates at, at high levels. You know, when they were really high, you probably thought to yourself, man, I'd love to lock in some of these um, in the future. Um, yeah. Right. So, uh, so this is the, – the, the one thing about the, the freight futures contract is that uh, the ground has never been more perfect to launch one.
1: How, how uh, are they um, – one of the things they talked about uh, – John was uh, like how is trucking a commodity or not what, what did Craig have to say well, about that I mean
2: you know the thing is that, and I think it was really Doug who said this and, and I kind of made the point too yeah. you know all commodities have some slight differences first of all in something like oil there's quality differences but that's not the thing so let's say I'm an oil refiner and I'm buying the same grade of crude from 8 or 10 suppliers um, some of them are going to have Inefficient credit departments. Some of that'll have great customer service. There's more to just saying, "Okay, give me it." It doesn't matter. Just give it to me. Right? There's there's always kind of a background, right? Right. And, and trucking there's probably a little bit more of that than some other commodities, but still, ultimately, as somebody says, it is a product that it's a 53 foot. Container yeah, on the back Doug of the truck, said that, yeah. and, and that's going to be, you know, I, I hate to put a percentage on it, you know, 95% of what you're buying. Yes, the other 5% matter. How efficient is the trucking company that you are supplying, getting the supply from? But ultimately, it is a commodity. Nothing is. Is a perfect commodity that there's absolutely no difference in the transaction. And so, so I think it is a commodity. Doug
0: pointed out that the growing proportion of all loads that are handled by brokers kind of suggests that shippers view trucking as a fungible commodity. They don't really care right. who it is that's driving the truck. They right. just need access to a, a steady, reliable right. supply. Right. Um, the other, you know, speaking of oil, the other. Kind of cool takeaway quote that I wanted to mention was uh, when Craig said, you know, it, it speaks to your point about it being a perfect time to launch a free futures contract. He said, you know, we've had our OPEG moment with uh, the ELD mandate, with the, you know, the uh, secretization of extraordinary demand along with tight capacity, really just like was a shock, honestly, to the overall economy. I mean, on Wall Street, they were talking about it every day. It was on the front page of the New York Times. It was on the on the front page of of, of the Wall Street Journal. So I, th- I really do think that this market has rattled so many people, and it's been so extraordinary and unpredictable that people are open to you know e- even if they even if you're a carrier and you caught the upside of this. It's still it's, you know people couldn't believe what was happening. People said over and over again to me, there are 20 years in trucking." It's never been this strong. Well, you know, know, obviously we know that's not going to last forever.
2: You know, you talk about the OPEC movement. So when you sit there and you you model oil supply and demand, let's just say the supply side, you know, what do you model? You model how much is Saudi Arabia going to produce? How much is Russia going to produce? How much is Colombia going to produce? You do all that modeling. And, you know, there's knowledge out there about, uh, you know, fields that are coming online, uh, normal depletion rates of other fields. When you model trucking supply, you have to model aging population. You have to model if people don't want to be away from their families. You have right. to model somebody made a ton of money in the first three weeks of the month and now I think I'll sit home. I mean this is like so different than modeling an agricultural commodity or modeling let's say a petroleum commodity, which I think probably in, in trying to figure out what the supply is, it's going to be a lot easier than trying to uh, than trying to determine the supply of something where there's just so much human involvement. And I think that adds, ultimately, adds to the volatility. And and Mm. as a result of that, really argues in favor of a a contract like this.
1: Um, John, what are the implications um, for the spot market um, and and
0: brokers? Uh, Is there any?
2: Well, I mean, I I, I think those are really two different questions. Um, I I would say that, that in something like oil or agricultural products, most of it doesn't get done on the spot market. But the spot market really is... What, what you learn in Economics 101, the price of anything is set by the marginal widget, the last unit sold, yeah. uh, whether it's a, a whether it's a bushel of wheat, a barrel of oil, a house in the neighborhood. Whatever, okay. So um, that spot market will always be there, and it will find its way, we hope, uh, through a, to be very transparent through a freight futures market uh, as the knowledge of what's going on in the spot market makes it onto, uh, onto the nodal exchange. Uh, as far as brokers... You know, I, I can't imagine that any of them uh, are not sitting there. They probably have had numerous meetings. Uh, they've got, probably got task forces in house and saying, should we trade this thing?
0: Right, right. So yeah, and I think I think it can uh, be one more uh, service that they offer to uh, their shipper customers. And you know, maybe you know they're, they're they're also used to handling You know, helping our carriers, taking care of carriers. Uh, as best they can and maybe they can you know, help on the on the uh, the short side as well um, yeah the, the other thing I guess I was thinking uh, I just wanted to mention is that um, Sam Tibbs one of our data scientists is doing some really interesting work modeling trucking capacity uh, trying to get ahead of the bureau of labor statistics numbers by looking at uh, diesel consumption daily per, per region or per, per market so you know obviously there's you know, other things that consume diesel but we're trying, we're working on controlling for those other factors Yep. You know, like construction uses diesel a lot like to run generators construction is also very seasonal so it's difficult but um it's something we're looking at yeah you know, it's uh you know,
1: it's all about the data and that's one of the themes of the conference is data but it, there's a sense that the uh, more um uh, the more data you begin to have and know how to implement, um, the more it's like it's like knowledge. The more you learn, the more you realize you, you don't know very much. And the more data you have, the more you realize data's the new oil, as we're um, <laughs> so. Uh, so it's fascinating what is happening on that front.
0: Yeah. Um, why don't we talk about that extraordinary conversation this morning between Michael Lewis and Craig?
1: Yeah, so best-selling uh, author Michael Lewis, uh, you know, joined us, uh, and he, you know, of course, he's famous for uh, Moneyball and uh,
0: you know. Moneyball, The Big Short, yep. line Side, Wires Poker, um, Flash Boys,
1: and most recently, he just came off a book tour of uh, The Fifth Risk. Uh, in fact, let's see, he just finished that book tour, and he's now come to join us. Um, and the reason that we had Michael Lewis in the first place is because of his data perspective.
0: Yeah, it's data. It's how um, information asymmetries distort markets. It's, uh, a lot of his work, even the sports stuff, is about the yeah. value of alternative data, crafting new metrics to properly assess the value of assets. Um, it's it's yeah. about um, the difficulty of understanding risk. Uh, it's it's all you know. It's about how markets use information, and that's really what Freightways is all about.
1: And while he doesn't have a background in transportation, um, boy, it was fun to hear him uh, ask inquisitive questions. Well, he he okay. clearly
2: he clearly was interested in the whole idea that yeah. that this is a market ripe to be disrupted by knowledge of, of more knowledge of more transportation data. That, that was not a show. He really, you could yeah, tell, he was Yeah,
1: Wh- which is um, also like um, what, what he was doing with Moneyball in the first place, right? Um, he, uh, apparently, according to their conversation, Billy Bean didn't even know that he was the subject of Moneyball until, The book came you know, out. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was about to come out, and, and I think he gave him a heads up. And, you know, it's funny. Here's the story. Billy Bean was not upset that he had become the subject of the story. <laughs> I bet not. Because, not for what Michael Lewis was afraid of. Michael Lewis was afraid that uh, Billy Bean would be upset because this could disrupt it. Like, if he reveals all oh, of his right, secret right, sauce right. that everybody also, in baseball suddenly going to adopt these methods. Right, they lose their
0: competitive he, advantage. It,
1: right, but that wasn't why he was upset. He was upset because he was um, on the record as using the word fuck. Many times, and that he was afraid that his mother would be very upset with him and his <laughs> use of the language And that was sincerely I, it.
0: I, I wonder how many uh, baseball dugouts Billy Bean's mother has hung out in.
1: <laughs> I wonder too. But, uh, but Michael you know, what, what, Lewis said, "Well, I, I thought it was because of the uh, because uh, you know I was revealing your your secret sauce." And and, Bill, and he said there was a pause, and then Billy said, "You don't think anybody's going to re- really in baseball is going to read your book." Yeah. <laughs> And of
0: course. course it. not that funny? Yeah, that's 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 fascinating. Uh, what are some other the other like anecdotes or analogies that uh, Michael Lewis drew between his previous work and uh, transportation and logistics?
2: Well, I'm trying to remember now. Uh, you know, it's just a general message that, that data makes its way into various industries, and those those with the best data will will ultimately prevail. That was the that was the big message, and uh, he did hit it,
1: on weather and government. You know, uh, you know, but uh, go ahead. I, I didn't make no, that, I mean that was that was pretty know.
2: much it. So
1: he he became fascinated with um, uh, you know how um, like the power of data and predictive weather forecasting, and how like AccuWeather actually um, has started to um, like they had so, because there's so much data now with weather that we can predict so precisely on like weather patterns that, that, you know, over the past 30 years it's been transformative. Right. Um, But now there are actually like AccuWeather and some, some other um, uh, powerful players. Pretty much AccuWeather. Can can control and and disrupt the supply of, of data by, you know, not letting it be revealed as much. And so like that's, Kind of that, that becomes an issue in the world of data. Yeah, that sounds, who is that sounds
0: quite evil, actually. <laughs> well, I um, mean, he, he
1: pointed out the NRA really controls a lot of data on, on gun violence.
0: Right, um, right. They got Congress to pass the law. they stopped
2: right? because he, he talked about yeah. some data that had come out and uh, police data that showed that if a police officer dealt with a suicide or a domestic violence inst- incident, That they were more likely to have their own incident, you know, something improper in police in police behavior soon after that, and that that this kind of stuff, you know, has kind of been suppressed and uh, it's not really that well known. We
0: we know some uh, people in our own uh, business media industry that uh, you know try to place walls around data, Uh, but you know, one of our one of our mottos, you know, it's the motto of the internet. Information wants to be free. Again, <laughs> I, the name of our our first conference and our I'll inaugural event uh, was transparency, and so it's cool to kind of be you get that affirmation and validation from Absolutely. from somebody like Lewis, who is so far sighted and so just you know, insightful and interesting.
1: Yeah, I was inspired. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, and what what else do we have on tap?
0: Yeah, so um, we obviously we had a demo day on on Monday. We had uh, 40 live technology demonstrations from you know everything from you know tiny underfunded startups to some of the largest transportation companies in North America like JB Hunt. Um, it was really cool. It's it's a really neat format. Um, uh, seven minute live demos really no powerpoint exciting. no vaporware yeah uh and then you know when your time is up you know there's a bell and the lights turn on and your mic gets cut and, it's, the,
1: and the uh let's ta- let's say who the winners were yeah and
0: so um out of those 40 companies uh the entire audience at market waves all the attendees about you know right. a, a little over a thousand people voted for the four best in show winners.
1: From that day, we covered all of those companies, by the way, in in, uh, four rounds of articles. Uh, Every single company was noted what their presentation was about. Right, right, right. Um, And while we don't order the uh, winners, we call them best in show, um, they were Shipwell, Redwood Logistics, Platform Science, and JV Hunt. Hunt. Yeah. and uh, yeah it was a pretty exciting day for them. I think um, you know we for all of the, those impressive companies um, there are many impressive companies um, oh, yeah. and sometimes it's hard to really um, communicate your vision in seven minutes so right. that everyone can you know really interpret it right. so in a lot of ways it is about how you present. Yeah, yeah. I remember
0: being particularly impressed with um, the guy from Shipwell, who seemed so poised, so confident, so in control. You could tell that he uh, was very aware of exactly how long it was going to take him to talk, and he gave himself plenty of breathing room. And I think just like Jason, yeah, uh, there's some you know we can talk about one company's performance, you know, whatever, what their app looks like, what the UI was, blah blah blah, the problem they're trying to solve. But I think sociologically the whole day is really interesting because you start to see common themes emerge. You start to see the common techniques. You see the sort of, I mean, I felt really energized by the pressure um, that was placed on these executives doing these very large presentations, you know, that that a lot of them had never done before Um, seeing that kind of human element. What was at stake to them? I mean, we we talked to people today um, who said, we were, are actively looking at either buying or building the technologies that we saw on stage. And so, like, it's very relevant, and I don't know. It's, it's really what, cool.
1: Yeah, what did you think, of, John? You, you covered round three, which had three of the four winners. Yeah, I
2: know. That, that, that's why they were winners, because I covered them. <laughs> so. um, I think it was because know, it was I, after I, lunch I, and everybody yeah, was in a good mood. I would say a couple of things. Um, interesting how much blockchain was involved. Um, oh, I yeah. don't know how many, though... I mean, some of them made the case, you know, why, I think whenever you're talking about a blockchain application, you always have to ask yourself, why is it better than a centralized database? Sure. And there were a couple that made that case. Uh, I will say it's, uh, just to take a note of caution here that at a crowd like this, these are gonna be kind of the most cutting edge people and they're ready to go with great new technology tomorrow. This is a very fragmented industry. Yep. tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of companies out there
1: it's like we're in the second or third try, inning yeah everybody yeah, trying to, everybody wants trying to get them seven. all in
2: whether it's blockchain or just a central database a great app sitting on a central database can be very slow right uh, yep. you know the thing that you're just not hearing that much is, is the automatic matching of bids and orders uh, which I think is so you're still talking about human bro- you know, human involvement the human broker involvement one way or the other. Yeah. and this and getting that getting this intermediating that is kind of the real big step but you know it could be that that they provide a service that technology is just not necessarily going to uh, produce that um, you know maybe back to the earlier point you know it's a commodity up to a point right. there are, there are customer servicing that goes after that and maybe it's not completely a commodity. Okay, you can trade your price exposure to it as a commodity, yep. but just simply buying, you know, matching up online, buyer and seller with no human and moment maybe that's going to be tougher than everybody thinks.
0: Well, and, you know, uh, to be fair, what we are, uh, what our contracts are going to be based around is uh, dry van rates. Um, flatbed is much more complicated, mm-hmm. specialized, obviously specialized, uh, you know, reefer, different kinds of commodities, or that you know um go into that including food including you know other kinds of uh goods uh you can talk about hazmat there's a lot of stuff that you know really needs kind of a white glove hand-holding approach that isn't i don't think is you know it's not the low-hanging fruit of the drive-in for full, full pallets you know for home depot or whatever
1: well um yeah uh, i would say um you know, check out these companies. Congratulations again to Shipwell, Platform Science, Jv Hunt, and Redwood Logistics. Um, Slink was one of our um, uh, Best in Show winners at Transparency, and they said that since that important day, um, they have tripled in size, and that was just six months ago. Um, Boxlock, that was a Best in Show winner at Transparency, um, made an appearance on Shark Tank. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it, there's something to be said for um, for being a best in show winner uh, at um, one of our events.
0: Yeah, and, and so um, the other big contest that yeah. we need to talk about is uh, Freight Tech 25 and Freight Tech 100. Um, and just to give you a little bit of background on that, what we did, we um, wanted to find the most innovative companies in transportation technology. We wanted to uh, create a, a transparent, open contest uh, that was not pay to play. We weren't going to pick our favorites. So what we did was we opened up nominations to anyone. We said, nominate a company, tell us why you think it's the most innovative in transportation logistics. We got around 400 nominations. Um, Many of these are duplicates, obviously. So we had an internal committee uh, at FreightWaves, Waves, nine people vote on uh, what they thought should be included in the 100. Right, and it was really simple. I was actually on that committee. We voted, and we didn't even have to like argue about anything. It turned out that when, when once you rank the companies with most votes to, free, um, if you include yeah. all the all the companies with five votes or more, that that was exactly 100. So that's where we used... That's
1: great to hear. Then, so... And it was peer-reviewed,
0: essentially. And so then we take those 100 companies, and we had a panel of 60 industry experts, uh, people in finance, people in, you know, CEOs, uh, all different kinds of, you know, equities analysts, people like that, vote on, you know, rank their top 25 out of that 100, and and it we worked. did
1: reveal that at the conference, so we can you, you can check that out at, at freightwaves.com.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean I do want to go ahead and say who the winner was. Yeah, right? so, so who
1: were the top we had a top five of yeah, the twenty-five?
0: Yeah, so the winner was Amazon. Uh, that was number one. Shocker. Uh number two is Project 44. Oh, Cong- that is a shocker. Congrats to Jet McCandles. I'm not shocked.
1: That, that, the project 44 is awesome. But I they are, but I mean, after Amazon? Like, this is big time.
0: Number three was Tesla with their electric semi-truck. Number four, Convoy. Number five, J.B. Hunt.
1: J.B. Hunt coming in. strong. I know, I
0: know. One of the oldest, uh, you know, thought of as one of the most traditional trucking companies in in the country, uh, you know, invested $500 million in technology. And their app, J.B. Hunt 360, has more revenue per download than any other digital brokerage app out there. Yeah, I hear they're
1: they're just a super efficient um, company, um, and they treat their drivers well. They don't have the same kind of turnover that a lot of big carriers do.
0: Yeah, so, uh, so yeah. Uh, check it, check that out. Um, it's for sure. Yeah, it's it's on it's on Frey Waves. Um, it was really cool. You yeah, it was it was a big deal. Um, we're you know, congratulations to all the companies who are in the top twenty-five. Uh, you can be really proud of essentially you know first being innovative and secondly the fact that your peers in the industry all agree that you're you know, killing it
1: yes and this has been a terrific and fun podcast here from Texas. i just want to say one last thing
2: i just stepped away nobody noticed but um <laughs> i had to take a call from uh, our new hire in australia and i think it's important to note to the audience that yeah we're going to be increasing our editorial staff by a third yeah, uh, with new resources in London and Australia and Washington, among other places. So that's exciting. Yeah, too. we in the next six weeks.
0: third. Next six weeks, we're going from actually 50 percent, right? We're going from eight to twelve.
2: All oh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. so yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Fifty percent um, in the next basically six weeks. Yeah. So it's exciting wow.
2: Yeah? I didn't even
1: know that. Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! Yeah, Surprise. yeah it's,
0: it's exciting. So expect an even. Faster, more overwhelming stream of data and news from FreightWaves.com. In the logistics space. Awesome. So, yeah,
1: and um, we also uh, have a – so anyway, well, let's uh, – j- um, John, it's great to have you here, and um, let's do this again. Yes, I'll
2: be chatting to you again more often, so – All right. Okay. All
1: right. Yeah, so let's we're going to do a five good minutes. let you do
0: Okay, we're back, uh, coming to you live from Market Waves 18 in Grapevine, Texas, um, and this time uh, we're here with Doug Wagner, the CEO of Echo Global Logistics. Hey, Doug. How are you doing, John? Great to have you here, Doug. Thanks for yeah. joining us. Um, and you're here to play five good minutes, so uh, we talked a little bit, but um, we'll just ask you a few questions, a few direct questions, if you can sort of formed a reasonably coherent answer <laughs> that's shorter than five minutes, you will win a prize. Um, your choice of, you know, I think you probably already got the backpack, but we, we also got um, copies of uh, Michael, Michael Lewis's, Lewis's Fifth business. Uh, the, the fifth, fifth risk. risk, not fifth yeah.
1: business. That's a different term.
0: Right. So, yeah. um, Let's try to get it in another five minutes, right?
3: Uh,
1: right, because you wouldn't want to lose out on that, right? <laughs> I, want, uh, I want the book. Uh, okay. All
0: right, so uh, ready or not, here we go. So tell us a little bit about um, how ECHO uh, got started, um, and, uh, the
4: funding structure, and the growth story. Sure. Well, our two founders started the company by putting in small investments themselves and building some prototype technology. Uh, They hired me in the first year. Uh, They're serial entrepreneurs. I was a transportation executive. And uh, shortly after I joined, we got a a $7 million uh, venture investment, and we were able to live off of that $7 million infusion uh, from about 2007 till about 2009. And in that time, we'd grown the revenues from six million our first year, thirty-five million our second year, wow. ninety million our third year, and then we jumped to about two hundred and sixty million. That's amazing. Bro. The year that we did our IPO in two thousand and nine. So uh, that was our second infusion of capital. We raised about eighty million dollars. By the time we paid the banker fees and paid off a little debt, we had about fifty million dollars left over. Of course, we were profitable at that time and generating cash. So you know, over the next. Uh, Four or five years, we continued to increase our cash and started to make M&A investments. And then we acquired a total of 20 companies in that time, uh, totally with our cash, without taking on any additional debt or raising any additional capital, all the way up until 2015 when we bought command transportation. And then for that, we did uh, raise some additional capital through an equity offering and some convertible debt. Wow, that's that's a great story. I I love ECHO and just seeing, you
0: know, what you guys have done, like going public at a time when it's, you know, kind of difficult and expensive, like you said, it's, it's impressive. And, it's, and we were probably too small to go public
4: in retrospect, but we pulled it off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, when you started at Echo, uh, you had 35 employees. Uh, you said that now you're up to about 2,500. I'm really curious just to uh, hear how your role has changed as Echo scaled and what you spend your time on, what kind of,
4: what level of decisions that you, uh, that occupy your days? Yeah. Well, in the early days, you get involved with everything, you know, um, and you, you roll up your sleeves and, and you do everything yourself. We were a startup company. We were very entrepreneurial. Uh, we, we changed things around a lot. You know, if, if something, uh, we would try something new and if it, it worked We would do it harder if it didn't work we'd stop and do something different you know so it was a little bit frustrating on our employees because we were constantly pivoting Mm. the business uh, trying to find a better way and trying to be successful Um, along the way i remember some of the growing pains we had There, there was a period in about 2008 where we couldn't pay our bills the irony was it wasn't because we didn't have money in the bank we had plenty of money in the bank we couldn't pay the bills because we could, We were growing so fast that we couldn't open the mail fast enough to, <laughs> to put our invoices into our AP system. Sounds like a terrific problem to have.
3: What yeah. a problem.
4: So, you know, those were the good old days. I, I would call the owners of the trucking companies and promise them that we had money in the bank. and As soon as we could open the mail and get it processed, we'd oh send God. them a check. Um, you know, but the, the funny thing for me was... Along the way, we, we kind of grew up as a company, you know, and, and so we went from being that wild, wild west entrepreneurial startup to having to start to create some infrastructure and some, unfortunately, bureaucracy and, and things that people, yeah. you know, want to steer clear of as long as they can. But but as a bigger company, you need it to function. So, you know, uh, in the early days, we didn't have an HR department. You know? Right. And we... we uh, had to implement HR and so we've of had all that response. HR <laughs> yeah. yeah we so just
0: we, we just hired some material <laughs> finally
1: <laughs> um well uh you know 2018 has been a standout year um, what what are you guys plans and ambitions rolling into 2019
4: um, and what what are your expectations for for echo yeah so we plan to continue our growth trajectory we think we're a, a growth company we have several levers that fuel our growth one is continuing to add people so we've got a hiring plan we'll continue to add people and as they get productive they they generate leverage in our operating model uh, we're going to continue to look at M&A and acquisition opportunities we think there's a lot of good opportunities to do that Uh, we're going to continue to uh, build out our technology and uh, continue to apply uh, analytics and, and predictive analytics to run our business better provide better service for our customers and uh, I think we're also you know, just going to win in the marketplace.
1: Nice, and you just won five good minutes. <laughs> All right, um, so you get yourself Congrats, a copy Doug. of Michael Lewis's The Fifth Risk. So, thanks, thanks for playing, Doug. It's great to meet you, man. Yeah, C- it, continued good luck here. Um, you know, yeah, with what? The, you, thanks for making time for us this afternoon. Yeah, we really appreciate. Uh, it. Uh, for well, that. hello, and welcome to another uh, five good minutes segment of. Uh, of what the truck we are here live coming to you from market waves 18 in grapevine texas and i'm joined by gregory price and and jason Traff of shipwell guys congratulations on being a best in show winner Holy cow. How was that? Was that exciting?
5: That was exciting. I, uh, it's about halfway through the talk yesterday, someone started cheering and it it really threw me off. I wasn't expecting to get a a a mid-speech applause.
1: That helps, I think, with getting the votes, right? (laughs) I don't know. That was persuasive. (laughs) Um, so uh, so, it's really great to have you guys here um, that, that. Was, that was a fun that was a fun uh, party last night too huh it was a fantastic
3: like, party I think I had the most fun yes well, you can never have too <laughs> much fun but I'm pretty sure I had the most fun oh, yeah. <laughs> you, won, you won that award too yeah.
1: well I'm glad that you're functioning and doing so well now today you know in spite of having so much fun. It, took, it took a challenge
3: to get up as Jason's my roommate <laughs> at the game here so it was a more normal. Yeah. Um,
1: well awesome well, well it's great to have you Guys, here and um, well, are you ready to run the gauntlet of five good minutes, Jason? I think I'm as ready
5: as I'm gonna be.
1: So. Okay, well, you know, if you if you win, you win the the, the, the magic T-shirt prize. Ooh, so that's right. always a good thing, right? Well, ready or not, here we come. Uh, Jason, tell us a little bit just about how the company well started.
5: Yeah, so uh, both Greg and I we're, were Texas boys that ended up going to MIT for some reason. But wow. we both had different backgrounds in freight. So I ran an oil painting business out of Shenzhen, China, that exported all over the world. And uh, Greg did lots of other things. But at the time we had met, he had just left McKinsey, which is a okay. you know top consulting company. Wow where he had been doing supply chain consulting for Fortune 100 businesses. So yeah, he was wow. talking about some of the largest businesses in the world and how they could spend billions of dollars a year on freight but still not know where things were. And those sounded a lot like the problems I had shipping paintings all over the world, but I was much smaller, and it was about a decade earlier. Yeah. And so we started looking, and we, just, um, we felt that some companies had really invested in turning supply chains into a competitive advantage, and they'd gotten really good at it, and a lot more companies just, I guess, in short, needed some help. And so that's why we started Shipwell, to be the most seamless, most automated way for businesses to ship freight.
1: And so you guys started this in uh, 2016. We did. Uh, so that seems like a really great time to have started that. I mean, what, what do, what do you, how do you see data transforming the industry right now?
3: Uh, data is the new currency. It's, when I was at McKinsey & Company, uh, I thought the, the real opportunity in this space was connecting all the players, digitizing supply chains, and then using that information to improve your operations. Uh, most people are still in the stone ages. They're on pen and paper, pencil or in Excel. People think that's a viable transportation tool and so our idea was, I was doing this for a big company of basically doing risk models, forecasting, planning. It goes into every piece into a supply chain. It's probably one of the most rich sets of data for a business. And. And they don't have the talent the people or the technology to actually do it but you know who does the the amazons and the walmarts and the nordstroms and targets of the world because they were forced to do that in um, the home depots so now we're we're using that that's the new oil that's the new currency right. to actually turn and lubricate supply chains
1: um well how many employees do you have right now
5: so we've been growing really quickly and we are hiring across all segments of our business we are now up to 43 employees
1: Okay, wow. Uh, what series are you in your um, in your fund? Yeah, range? so we
5: announced our Series A. We had a ten million dollars Series A that we announced, I think, about a month ago, led by Fifth Wall, um, and that's where we currently are. Well, what they're, are your fantastic
3: uh, partners? They yeah. uh, some of the large their LPs are some of the largest warehouse owners in the world and leasers in the world, and we've got some exciting things that are going to be coming out in Q three, Q four really focused in on, you know, the complete supply chain picture. Of
1: 2018 or 2019? 2019. 2019. Greg 2019. lives in the future. That's, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was, that was my actually my next question is, like, what are you guys, what are your what's your vision rolling into 2019? What are your, your, your hopes and uh, ambitions here?
5: Yeah, so, I mean, Shipwell has always been a managed freight platform for all the parties that ship freight to come into one place so that we can connect and automate their supply chain. So for us, we've historically focused on shippers and 3PLs. But carriers have always been sort of a, a valid first class user as well. We just, we're small companies. So we had to start somewhere. Yeah. Going into the next year, carriers will become an increasingly larger focus where we're able to give them tools to run their fleets more effectively, a dispatch platform, ELD connections, and really sort of get them networked into the, the broader supply chain picture across the U.S.
1: Wow. Okay. So across the U.S., or do you have any global ambitions? we go so, to
3: Canada too and Mexico. Uh, so we're really primarily in North America. Uh, stay tuned for where we go next but we people have already we've done such a great job and over the road and uh, you know our API's and software and, and platforms being used by lots of folks uh, they, they tell you well, what can you do for me in in uh, China what can you do over here right can as it you... turns
5: out supply chains are complex and Su- global
3: supply chains <laughs> are complex global and a, and a nightmare and so our moonshot and our vision for where this goes super long term is that I, as, a, as a business and as a vendor I would like you to go on the be able to platform have complete visibility and you should be able to book something from Shenzhen and all the way to Cincinnati Ohio your end customer knows about it every step along the way knows where it's at when's it going to get it to me and you've got complete transparency there but you run your business how it runs today and that's kind of our moonshot uh, and where we're going
1: Awesome. All right. Um, well, you guys killed it. You, I'm not going to pepper you with another question if uh, you you've you've won the you've won the gauntlet. Uh, <laughs> uh, anything anything else that you'd like to to share with our audience? No, no we're so, excited to be here. We're, yeah. we're
3: excited about what Freight Waves and Bit is doing for the industry and we're we're you know honored to be a part of that. We want to be we, we're an agent of change. And that's a tough position to be in.
5: This was so much of our demo yesterday, right? was the automatic check calls. The idea of, great, we can all live in the future of a fully networked automatic supply chain, but Shipwall is also taking practical steps today to get people to that world.
1: Fantastic. All right. Well, um, well, thanks for being here, guys. Um, and that's that's it from us. Um, and we have a... Um, we, we got, we got people a-
0: to meet, beers to drink, uh, <laughs> signing off from Market Waves 18.
1: As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the truck. Truck.